welcome to In Bed with Neil Moody. I'm Neil Moody, editorial hairstylist, Instagrammer, YouTuber, etc, etc. And throughout my 25-year career in the fashion and beauty industry so far, I've been lucky enough to have met and worked with some amazing and talented people. My In Bed with Neil Moody podcast series focuses around the professional and personal life stories of some of those individuals who also think outside the box. I hope to give you an insight into their world, what they're up to and where they're going next. And so I welcome you to another episode of In Bed with Neil Moody, where today I'm chatting with Anna Marie Solovey and Millie Kendall MBE. Anna is one of the most respected beauty journalists in the UK and Millie is the ultimate queen of PR and marketing, hence her MBE for services to the beauty industry. Together they are the co-founders of Beauty Mart, an online and retail store with hand-picked beauty products that reflects both past and current trends. In 2018, together with some other prolific figures within the UK beauty industry, they came up with the idea of setting up the first ever British Beauty Council to represent the voices, opinions and needs of the British beauty industry, which is a significant contributor to the British economy. In 2019, with the website now launched, they're expecting to make leaps and bounds with the Beauty Council. I visited them at Anna Marie's London home in Highgate, North London, to chat all things beauty. Good morning, Anna Marie Solovey and Millie Kendall. Good morning, morning, Neil Moody. (laughs) Here we are in uh, in school. I know, so do I. (laughs) Did you do your homework last night? No, no, of course not. Never. Fingers on lips. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So we're here in Highgate. Um, You both live in Highgate, don't you? We live on the same road. It changes names. She's in the posh bit. No, I'm not. You're close to the tube. I'm close to the tube. Right. But we're at, we're at Anna's place for the yes. benefit yeah. of the listeners. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, like I, like I mentioned, the, the idea with the podcast is that we I'm interviewing people who are entrepreneurial um, within our industry, which you two both are. I am going to see, you can test me to see if I've done my homework correctly, because I'm going to give a very quick synopsis of both of your careers so far. So fill anything in that I might get wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is fun. It's like a quiz. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm actually know. five I'm foot sure. eleven. <laughs> Where did both of you grow up, by the way? Well, I grew up. So I know your half story. Here and half LA. LA yeah. yeah, and Anna, Derby. You're, you're Derby, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, you're a Midlander like I me. I am. Okay, so Anna, I've got. Here we go. Fingers crossed. You went to uni. No. No. God, I got that wrong. I did sixth form college and then didn't want to go to university. Got myself a job as um, an au pair in Greece, and my mum wouldn't let me go. And so I ended up getting a job um, in the local, in the civil service locally, and I ended up staying for seven years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but moved from Derby to London halfway through that time. Yeah. At a time when the minor strikes were on, all of my mates who'd graduated from university didn't have jobs for about three or four years, and I was the only one earning any money and spending mm. it all she worked on designer clothing. <laughs> she always says, she always has to get that <laughs> I did. But then you eventually you went to work for Marie Claire in 1988. Yes, my brother was at school with Glenda Bailey and she needed somebody to come in and organise the magazine and do all of their sort of admin systems. And that's what I've been good at. You get trained incredibly well in the civil service to do things a certain way. So I started as a kind of assistant to the fashion director and the beauty director who was Vicky Bentley. And there was no one else in the beauty department. It was just me and Vicky. And eventually she left and I sort of 
carried on mm. with great fear and then ended up going to L afterwards. Yeah, because I've got you into L for six years. Yeah, that's right. Then mm. on to Harvey Nichols magazine. Yes. Yeah. And we worked together quite a bit then, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, oh. we did a few things for Harvey Nichols magazine. Then you went to the fashion. Yes, with Sarah Moa. I was Sarah Moa's deputy yeah. editor. And then eventually to Vogue, British Vogue. That's Wasn't right. there Bear in between that? Yeah, well, I did yeah. Bear, bear with Ilsa Crawford at the same time as the fashion. Uh-huh. So there were both. Magazine. One was a six issues a year and one was two issues a year. And somehow I managed to straddle both of them. Were they the same publishers? No, no, no. completely different. Bear was John Brown and it was the first... Um, it was the first non-customer magazine out of a very commercial company. And so Ilsa, who had been at El Deco, was editing it. And I was fashion and beauty director there. And then the fashion was EMAP. They bought it from Wagadon. It was the ex-Frank team who'd... Do you remember Frank magazine? Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, um, Tina Godwan who'd edited, and then Harriet Quick. And um, there were two staff left over, and they ended up being on the um, the fashion team. And it ran at the same time as Pop, and I think EMAP were trying to work out which would be the most successful mm. women's fashion title for them. And it ended up being Pop, quite rightly. But I loved working on the fashion. It was a real kind of nerd title. You could yeah. dig very deeply on a small subject. Mm. And then, yeah, you were at Vogue for six years, beauty That's director, right. weren't you? Yes. And... You went on to win quite a lot of awards. And quite a few. They're all, I admit they're all downstairs in the garage on oh, the they? shelf. And one <laughs> of them got nicked. Somebody broke into my garage and stole one of my P&G awards that looks a bit mm. like an Oscar. It's this tall bronze thing. Idiot. It was very oh, funny, though, because um, it got dumped in a skip Shit. up the... Okay, we're back on. <laughs> Millie just spilt tea. Sorry, there. I just had to make an accident. I'm not clumsy today. No, it's funny, it got That's stolen so and it got found in a skip up the road. Somebody dumped it because they realised it wasn't solid bronze and the Ooh. owner of the skip phoned me and said, Oh, I've got an award of yours here. Uh. And I, anyway, it's back in the garage. Back in the garage. <laughs> Pride of place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's no, a the one that got yeah. stolen. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and then obviously you went on to start Beauty Mart with Millie, That's right. uh, which we'll go on to a little bit later. Um, I'm just going to give a quick synopsis of Millie. Let's see if I get this right, Millie. I won't remember any of it anyway. Uh, late 70s, when you're about age 11, you moved to LA with yes. your family. Yes, yeah? 79. Yeah. And you worked in your father's hair salon helping out, yep. but you didn't like it. You were mm, really into hair. I wasn't into hair, but I really liked the customer interaction. Yeah. Then you came back to London, yeah. went to work for Tony Guy in Mayfair. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, Street. And then in your late teens, you went to New York and did a brief stint at Bumble and Bumble. Yes, and I got fired. <laughs> well, actually, you love saying Michael that, says he fired me. Maintain I quit <laughs> because I couldn't stand the pressure. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was not I saw good. him the other week and he said he fired he you. Turns out I didn't did he? Fired he did not fire me. I was a very good assistant. I just had nowhere to go because I was never going to be a And actually, they had this little like alcove in the corner, and they had William Tuttle, and they had the beginnings of Mac, because it was Canadian, Mm. obviously Mac, and they had launched it in two um, hair salons. One of them was Bumble and Bumble. Mm. The other one was a weird, funny little hair salon called Parallel, and they'd, and so I guess there. This is before Mac was retail. It was a salon makeup brand, which is quite weird. But I loved standing over there playing with makeup. Hence why you ended up going to LA and working. Yeah, sure, yeah, right? and also there was that because we we um, Bumble was on Fifty Six and Lex, and around the corner was Il Maquillage. My God, I was obsessed with that shot. <laughs> Absolutely obsessed. I still have some of those beautiful, bright powder, almost mm. matte neon 
powder eyeshadows, but oh. that was yeah. And then went went to LA and and my dad said because he was a bit annoyed at that point because he tried everything to get me into hairdressing, and um and he said go and work for Marina who was the manager of the Shuamore boutique in LA. It had just launched. It was a very new brand, wasn't it? Then? Absolutely, <clears throat> it had only been open a few weeks, if if that, um maybe a month. And she was a model that had met a Japanese man in Tokyo and she had come and opened. She used to be a, um, a receptionist for my dad's salon. And he said, go and work there. And I I got a Sunday job. And then she quit. <laughs> and my dad said, go and take her job, which I hadn't really thought of because when mm. she quit, I walked out with her. Because, you know, women, we stick yeah, together. Stick together. Yeah. yeah, I didn't realise that that, would, that was even an option mm. <laughs> that I could go and say, oh, I'll give it a go. And they, they had no choice force them into it <laughs> so i ended up managing the show so it's a twist of fate really wasn't it that you ended up managing the store yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it was uh, it was amazing and i you know i hired all my friends because i didn't know how to interview somebody or hire anybody and and we just turned what was not a very clear concept into something that was quite clear and people really liked and um and uh, we turned a profit after three months. And so they were overwhelmed and they were so thrilled because the first month before that, it was losing money, hand over fist. But we also like changed it a little bit because I think there were some things that didn't quite translate from the Japanese core of the brand to the to the customer. And also it was in Century City, a bit of a duff shopping mall at the time. Um, so we kind of adapted it slightly. That's where I first met Pat McGrath. She came in because she was doing... Um, Karen Wheeler on the Soul to Soul and she used to come in and she used to buy funny enough the one product that wasn't Shoe and Moira that we sold in the shop so I used to buy these eight piece sponges mm. from this woman Barbara she had a company called Brush Up with Barbara <laughs> and I used to buy them separately because the makeup sponges from Shoe and Moira were massive blocks that you would have to cut yourself no customer's going to come and you know and that was when we first started using sponges with foundation so no customer was going to cut that sponge up so I bought them pre-cut and that's when I met Pat because she came in to buy the sponges anyway. but eventually you bought shoe to the UK didn't yes. you yeah. yeah and Europe too yes and then eventually you um went on to launch MKPR didn't you your PR company. yeah so I guess what happened was I launched shoe and Mora and then um and then I was approached to launch Aveda and the choice was leave my job at shoe and Mora which I had loved and was a bit of security for me and I knew it so well and I loved him or or set up an agency so I could do both Aveda and Shuamora. So yeah. that's what I did. Yeah. And then in 1998, you set up Ruby and Millie. Yes. So, <laughs> well, it was sort of... She's had more jobs than you, Anna, by the way. Well, no, that, <laughs> ironically, that was, a, that, that was a, that, that's She's a not basis. A sticker, I'm not a sticker. I'm very good at the beginning. That, that's with personal relationships as well. <laughs> um, but that's kind of why we started the British Beauty Council when we get onto that, but mm. my inability to stick to one job. So then I guess there was a sort of, well, 1996 was really when we started Ruby and Millie. Mm. So, cause it took two years. I remember years. we were talking about um, Cosmoprof Cosmo yeah. earlier and I remember going with George. Now, why was I there? Because I was freelancing and working, doing bits of work. For I think George we were doing Trevor. Beauty Quest, weren't we? Because Anna and I That's used to it, have a magazine yeah. called Beauty Quest before Beauty Mart. Yeah. In fact, probably about 15 years before Beauty Mart, ironically, looks just like it. Mm. Strange, isn't and it? it was a it was a mail order magazine, so it was like an editorial magazine, but the products we featured were for sale. Yeah, and we worked on that with George Hammer, who's Ruby's oh. husband. And I remember sitting at dinner 
in Bologna with George. I thought if Karen you. or Callan was there as well. No, mm. it was someone else. Someone else who was a buyer with George, and I can't remember her name. But the the, the idea was that that we pitched the idea to Boots to do mm. a makeup range, and it, originally it was for Ruby, yeah. and then they somewhere in between talking to the buyer at Boots and this coming to fruition there was a feature on me in the Daily Mail yeah. mm. and it was a picture of me lying in all my lipsticks that's it yeah. didn't have a boyfriend at the time <laughs> <laughs> and um, still prefer the lipsticks selling yourself yeah. <laughs> and um and they and they when I walked into the room they had it on the table and I guess I guess you know it's quite a clever idea and I Somewhere along the line, George has probably fed them the line that actually two is better than one, and actually this could be quite interesting because black girl, white girl, Muslim Jew, you know, actually the combination yeah. of the artist and the publicist ticks a lot is of quite it ticks a lot, lot of boxes, and so that was a. Start I read it was many. the first major UK cosmetics brand to launch in thirty years. Was that right? Yeah, because Mary Quant was uh, mm. the before that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and eventually that sort of boots. Took over, didn't they? Basically, well, actually, they invested the money, so they put the money behind it, which not a lot of people knew. Which actually means goes goes on to set to to show you how what a great marketeer I am, because nobody ever knew that. Um, <laughs> well, they do now, and um, <laughs> and actually, I think you know they they quite visionary of them to to put money behind a sort of essentially what is now called an incubator brand or a disruptive yeah. incubator brand or whatever you want to call it. So it was always their money and. I guess it's just, it's very difficult when you're working with a large organisation and teams change all the time and they don't have the same vision as you. Mm. And it got to the point where I would walk into a room and they would tell me that it wasn't very Ruby and Millie when I would present something. And I just, it's not, it's not me. I mean, actually, it's probably the longest relationship I've ever had. <laughs> but, other than with my children, it's just, I'm, I'm really, I really like starting things and yeah. like getting them off the ground and launching them and I just get no pleasure out of the sort of, the, the end bit. Yeah. You know, it's not for me at yeah. all. Well, fast forward to 2007, because then you got your MBE, didn't you? Yeah. For your um, services to the beauty industry. Yeah. Yeah, which is amazing. Weird. Weird. It's yeah. a bit, I still think it's a bit weird. <laughs> Well, I you know do. what, I mean, you, were, yeah. you were the first British woman in beauty to get one, I think, weren't you? I was definitely, yeah. no, I Upper probably daily. wasn't. Oh, yeah, but they were mostly makeup artists. I was, I'm, yeah. I'm definitely the first, <laughs> I was definitely the first person that wasn't an actual jobbing artist. It's, yeah. Because before that, it would have been... Um, hairdressers. Hairdressers, makeup, makeup artists, mm. you know, that kind of thing. So I definitely yeah. was the... Did you alone get one before you? Uh, but she was a brand... True. Yeah, yeah. Need to so, it would have yeah. So I think, yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. The body shop. Mm. Yeah. But then you you actually both known each other since about nineteen ninety. Well, we yes. met when I was at L and Millie launched She Were More in Harvey Nichols, and I was doing. Um, in fact, I introduced Ruby to Millie because mm. I was doing a feature for mm. L about when makeup artists go to buy their professional kit. You know, people are always obsessed with that. And there were literally, we had we had a data shoot and we had three places to go. One was Screenface, one was Charles Fox in Covent Garden, and the other one was this weird, unpronounceable Japanese makeup artist store that had just opened in Harvey Nichols called Shuemura. And I don't even, I don't know if I even pronounced it right at the time. And I took Ruby along, we were obsessed with it. And we met, I met Millie for, I think I must have seen you before because I'd have gone in and met you and mm. said, can we come and shoot here? But you and you and Ruby met for the first time that morning. 
and we did a shoot. Millie had been in there at the crack of dawn, I'd cleaning been in there for and two polishing, hours cleaning everything, tidying so everything the Virgo, up. The Virgo <laughs> rising, or whatever it is. Yeah. And we got a great picture of Ruby with all of the, the brushes, brushes, the, the long, long brushes, beautiful long yeah. handled brushes. I wonder, that, I wonder if she's got that. I bet she I've does. got I've got a portrait of me and Ruby on that day. I remember I remember what I was wearing even without me even without the pictures to look at. Um, Thank but God it was one interesting. But that was the, like that. That was the beginning yeah. of that relationship with all three yeah, of us. Yeah. And I used to co- I used to come in on Saturday. Yeah, it was a bit go, of a hangout. I used to go and it was hang a bit out of a hangout. beauty stores on Saturdays. It was my favourite thing to do. And when you Anna, that's to... called obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> I have no, I have no friends on that shop floor because they would look over at the Shuamora, which was always buzzing. I remember Danny saying, "How do you make it like that?" I'm well, a nightclub. It was literally like a nightclub, and a, a night, nightclub. And I didn't. I never took a day off, so I used to go downstairs to Joe's Cafe, get myself cappuccinos. Mm. I used to bring the cappuccinos up in the cups underneath my underneath my <laughs> uniform, and I used to stick them underneath, and I would like swig coffee <laughs> all day just to make sure that I could last the entire day. I mean. Having said that, you know, we weren't open till 10 o'clock at night on a Sunday or, you know. Yeah, trading hours were very different. Trading hours were different. I think it was like 10 to 7. Mm. So it was like reasonable. More normal. (laughs) Normal life. life, Before the internet. Before online. I really very often wish that we had those normal retail hours again until Sunday when I actually want to go to the supermarket and, you know, Mm. and then I think... I must admit, I like the added Sunday of retail hours. I do too. I don't uh, like the late ones, the I nine, ten yeah. o'clock things. I think it's... Yeah. Not no, I agree. Shop then. Young no. people do, though. They do. They go they? out for dinner. They the go in between <laughs> that and partying or whatever it is they do these days. They I go don't to know the what gym. They don't go partying. They go, yeah, they go to the gym, then they go shopping, and then they go and have a vegan dinner somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> vegan supper. Vegan supper. <laughs> <laughs> Before going home to do a party. We love you for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then you launched Beauty Mart in 2012, which actually I realised was yeah. the last time I came to interview you both. Was it 2012? 2012, when you were on Holloway Road. Gosh, that's Yeah, and I came to the ago. office. I couldn't believe it when the I looked at the end of 2012. Yeah. 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 yeah it was probably we... 2013, actually, I came yeah. to see Yeah, it was the football pitch yeah. in Holloway Road massive that we had the massive, massive office. office yeah. And you brought your, did I have Pup with me that day? You brought your dog in. I, I bought my dog. Yeah, because yeah. very well behaved. Yeah. And um, yeah, you just started Beauty Mart. Yeah. Because I remember I went down to Harvey Nichols to film it all because that's where it first opened. Yeah, we launched in Harvey Nichols, yeah. And so, how did Beauty Mart come about? What was the. Oh, just an accident. You know, these things always are. I sat where you're (laughs) sitting now and I was working on a feature for the Financial Times about tween brands. So, you kind of, you know, nobody was addressing younger brands. And I'd interviewed Millie because. She and Ruby at the time were involved in a brand called Scarlet and Crimson, which mm. was a teen makeup brand. Still, I mean, I don't understand where that went. That could come back any time now. Yeah, it's kind of like goth, um, yeah. you know, for goth, gothy tweens, not for the sort of... The, I, the idea was is that I had a, you know, 12-year-old, 11-year-old daughter at the time and somebody had proposed to do this young brand that was um, a sort of licensing deal from comic books. Yeah. So mm. these characters were in, a, were in sort of graphic novels, but for kids. And um, I just liked the characters. And they were quite they were alternative. Because really cool they were just a bit, they weren't pink and fluffy and they were yeah. a bit more like me and my daughter. And I really liked it. So we decided to do a makeup range around it, which was quite fun. Went into Superdrug. Yeah. <laughs> and then they interviewed Daniela Rinaldi from Harvey Nichols because she's got a young, she had a young daughter at the time, still has the daughter, but she's older now, to talk about this sort of tween market. 
And then I interviewed a couple of other people. And as I was as I was doing it, and actually as I was chatting to Danny, I was thinking, why isn't anybody talking to this generation? Because if I thought about where you could go and shop for makeup as a young girl, it was still sort of boots or super drug or yeah. kind of, you know, the <coughs> island. Super drugs only evolved now. You wouldn't yeah. have necessarily... Wouldn't it, have been the first place to go know, to. Yeah. But yeah. equally, you wouldn't have gone to a department store because well, they were too fancy. A bit too, yeah, no. too, too expensive. expensive. Yeah. Mm. And so there was... And I remember following up... Um, I, f- I finished... I had. I was always worked to the last minute. So I handed my... You know, sent my work over and then emailed Danny and I still got the email and it's like and you should do this and you should do that and it was also just post the recession so people were really being much more careful about how they spent their money and we lots of stats were coming through about how women were trading down on some things which had never been an issue for me because I think the quality's always been there with mass market um, cosmetics with skincare with you know out of the L'Oreal labs and the kind of more mass brands boots for example their more mass price point and I thought this this isn't an issue if people are prepared to buy cheaper as well as buy more expensive then it means that that sort of snobby price threshold is starting to disappear and i think that's something that we've come on to see and kind of had but the roots like you idea. shouldn't have to trade on environment why should you have to yeah. have a bad experience just because you're not spending that much money yeah yeah i think it's yeah it's like market mentality yeah. uh, i'd love to go to a market and buy fresh fruit and vegetable it doesn't mean to say i'm trading down necessarily on the yeah. experience yeah. yeah so how do you make it fun for people to not spend much money in a, in a way and i think it was the sort of start of you know the uh, beauty websites and blogging and all that and then the community is changing and who people listen to is changing and um and also you know the the sort of development of the journalists what happens to the journalists now that the magazines are closing and where do they go and how do they share their experience yeah you know, so it all sort of came together, didn't you know? I remember going out for a drink. I just like having a shot. Not long after yeah. that with Millie and just sort of saying, oh God, I've gone and pitched this idea to Daniela Rinaldi at Harvey Nichols and she really wants to do it. And Millie was like, yeah, well, you need to do blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, why do you think I'm talking to you? And was, yeah. And that was, that was and the that beginning. And that was how it But that was probably that 20, together. that was probably 2010. So it took us Yeah, because I had come back get... from LA in yeah. 2009. And we both had so, other stuff going yeah. on. So we started it and we kind of, and then it gained momentum. And then I think we had a year to get it ready to launch it. And we spent a year going out and talking to the brands because we were breaking so many rules. We only wanted certain products. We only wanted the kind of Elizabeth the iconic, Arden, the cult cream, piece. People which... hate, did people, brands hate that though? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They hate it still. But I think we really did break the mold. The makeup there. brands more. Actually, the makeup brands, I think that we still struggle with because they just don't get that you don't want to take all the, the entire nine thousand because their entire <laughs> business model is built on women buying seven to nine pro- products yeah. from each yeah. line, and nobody shops like that. Yeah. It's insane. That well, they, they do if you're Charlotte Tilbury. <laughs> I mean, if you market in that way, then yes, they do. If you provide a total look and a choice of total, you know, you've got that McDonald's menu of beauty, then you're going to be able to successfully sell the whole look. But I think Charlotte and probably Mac. And everyone else tries to do it. But it's it's really difficult. Also, we've got so much makeup and so much skincare. Even, I mean, okay, I've got a house full of the stuff and so have you. But even people who don't have an enormous collection. So you're never looking to replace the whole lot. You're yeah. only looking to add bits in. And I think we began that whole cult, the cult brand thing. Cult Beauty had obviously launched before us and they'd identified that there was this 
cult around beauty, but they were pretty much buying sort of full ranges. We were the first to sort of pull all of that apart, take the branding away and let the product speak for itself. So the hierarchy was always product first, then brand you know, category, obviously. And that's the way that we um, merchandised the store in Harvey Nichols. So we had a boutique. And it looked completely different to anything else you've ever seen. Yeah. It's more like a kind of Now we've got four. It was like a mini nightclub. Yeah. Yeah. I remember going to see yeah. it being yeah. kind of like, wow. That was the idea. With all the neon and everything. I mean, yeah. I guess the thing is, and we, you know, we had, we, we had lunch once with Mary Portis and we talked about the pop-up model and how interesting that would be. And so essentially what, what we are is a bit of a pop-up model, but we've mm. got four currently. Yeah. Where so I know because you're not in Harvey Nichols anymore, are no, you? No, we're in Topshop Oxford Circus. We are in Thurrock. We are in Manchester, and we're in Birmingham. Where are you in that? Birmingham? In Us Collective, which is um, a kind of pre sort of mid mass sportswear athleisure. Um, tribal kind of shopping experience. It's like this, store. you know, Levi's and Converse and Apple, and right. you know, it's like all those sort of you know millennial centennial brands. Mm. And we sell yeah, beauty yeah. and grooming. So for the first time, we added grooming as a sort of conscious um, addition to what we were selling because we knew we had a male customer in those stores, whereas we don't have that in, in Topshop. And what about online still? Yeah, yeah, we have a yeah, website. We launched that a year after we launched in Harvey Nichols. And... I still don't understand the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I do. like you don't need to, Millie. No, I know. Well, yeah. you kind of do. You yeah. sort of do. Well, actually, yeah. you don't, and because I think I don't think the rules does. aren't the same from one week to the next. No, you can not. do something, and it can be successful, and you think, oh, well, we'll do that again because that worked last time. It doesn't. Yeah. It's not how it goes. It's constantly shifting. It's like a sort of a virus that keeps mutating. Do you know what I've realised with all the internet stuff and everything is that you know all these people that have all these algorithms. I've actually decided they're all a load of rubbish. Because it keeps oh, well, listen, if any rubbish, I, I get I get phone calls all the time, and because my name is listed as the owner of one of the businesses or whatever, I, I they ask me personally, and they always pretend like they're friends of mine, and they get on the phone, and they go, "Hi, I'm just wondering, you know, about they want to sell you marketing services mm. based on algorithms," and I'm like, "You're telling me, as how old are you, twenty four year old bloke? You're telling me that you know more." about how women shop for beauty than I do. I'm a 52-year-old woman that's worked in the beauty industry my entire life. It's impossible. Your algorithm cannot beat me. It's not. I think there's a sort of, I think there's so much hype around those algorithms. And I, you know, maybe I'm completely wrong, but they cannot take into account that I've had an argument with my boyfriend. I'm getting my period. I'm not feeling very well and I need my roots done. They cannot (laughs) possibly know that. No. How can they possibly know? Surely, every time I'm on the internet, I buy a holiday. I don't really buy it, but I put it into the basket. Mm. They must think I go on holiday all the time. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's They just think you're a lady of leisure, yeah. really, basically. I mean, they cannot, it cannot possibly know well, the subtle nuances of my life. It it's as can't. simple as if, if somebody had the answer, somebody would be cleaning up and nobody's cleaning up. Yeah. You know, the success of Boots as what, the, big, the biggest online retailer now, yeah, or has Hat yeah. Group taken over? three for twos yeah you know that that's why people collect points and they shop there because they can get three more for, for less so everybody does and yeah. it's that simple and then the other really successful online retailers are probably doing all kinds of clever well, things but I mean, ultimately I think it's actually benefit very interesting. their customers i think it's very interesting because aside from other than cult beauty most of the big um, online retailers who are all now really bona fide and everyone wants to work with all started as discount and they started discounting Everyone was up in arms about it. Nobody wanted to deal with them because 
they were going to discount their products. Now, because of the volume, people want to work with them. Mm. Brands, I say people, I mean brands. I think it's quite interesting. I think it's game-changing, and I think it's really interesting, but I still think that personal recommendation, which I think is, is what you see with a blogger. Yeah. Because I think that, you know, bloggers are, are for people who don't have mates that tell them, yeah. I bought this fabulous lipstick, you know. Mm. So they, I think that's... I think because of the blogging community, that's why people are buying. Yeah. Are driven to buy online. Hmm. They're listening to recommendation. But mm. it's still but it's, word of mouth. It's still recommendation. I've realised the algorithms are really good for big, massive corporate companies. But I think when you come down to smaller businesses, they don't make as much sense. I think when <clears> you're... <throat> I mean, people, people make a mistake about beauty as a category. There is so much in it. It's so divided up into the tiny little detail and the bigger picture stuff. And I think algorithms work if it's about the bigger picture. Mm. And I don't think beauty is ever about the big picture. It's always about the details. I think the other thing is that um, online, beauty is 9%. And it hasn't gone up in, what, six years? Mm. How long have we been going? Seven Mm. years. It's always hovered between 7 and 9%. So in terms of the proportion... Well, that's his sales. In, in sales. So the value has increased in new media. That's yeah. what's interesting. So that I think there's been a massive increase in the value of social media influences that, that kind of sector. But valuing what? I mean, how are they valuing it? As in converted well, I don't know. sales? That's why we're paying them. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I, I don't know. I don't know, actually. But that's not, that's why we're paying them to value. Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> Talking about the value of the industry. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, I don't. Maybe it is. Maybe it is the um, the revenue. I know. I would imagine it's the revenue generated and how much tax they pay on that. I mean, yeah. but there is a value to that. There is a mm-hmm. financial value to the the influence of new media mm. on the beauty industry, which we're in the process of or just calculating. Start, yeah, yeah. yeah. Scary piece of work that is. It's a lot of work <laughs> actually. Well, I'm not doing it, so. Like I said, we're paying somebody to do it. So, yeah, um, and they're academics from Oxford. So, obviously, it's not me. Let them get on with yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> My boyfriend's got three degrees, and he was at Oxford, and he couldn't hang a bloody picture this morning. <laughs> what is it they say though? You can be really bright, but have no common sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, moving forward now. Here we are, twenty nineteen, and I know this has actually been a some topic that's been a conversation with you lovely ladies for a while is the British Beauty Council. I feel that this year is your year that you're going to really get it up and going. Right? Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's been a conversation for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Let's talk about it. So Tell me about it. Always, what is the idea of yeah, the concept? So I always say, like, we had, when I first moved back from LA, we went and had dinner at the Electric, didn't we, mm-hmm. the, in Notting Hill, and there was a group of us. There were all different ages. Kate Montano was there and the makeup artist and um, Lorna Mackay, who was previously married to Sam McKnight, but also is very influential in the beauty industry uh, in her own right. And she worked at Harrods in, as a buyer. And then she did launched... you say previously married to Sam McKnight? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then and then um, and then um, so and then she, she she actually launched Liberty's Beauty Hall and was a buyer mm-hmm. at QVC. Anyway, she's fabulous. Anyway, there was just a group of us and Trudy Collister from Aramis. She's a PR from Aramis. We're all sitting around a table and, you know, everyone's having a dig about the beauty industry and we're not taking it seriously enough. And then we say, we're going to meet every month and we're going to talk about this and we're going to get things moving. And then you don't see anyone for six years because yeah. nobody organised it. 
Why does it find that sort of? Although we did register the, we registered, we were drunk enough to register the name. That oh really? Yeah. <laughs> well, I tried. No, I tried. What happened was I tried to register the BBC on the IPO. Well, someone else, yes, someone else had it. There's another little company called <laughs> yeah. BBC. Isn't anyway, so it was rejected, and we just we dropped it. And then I guess it's sort of I th- I don't know, just a series of events. I think it was your brother kicked you up the arse. Well, <laughs> the series of events was Donald Trump and Brexit, quite mm. frankly. I mean, right. you know, I'm a bit of a lefty. I, I don't, you know, British Beauty Council is not politically swayed one way or the other, but I personally do have an opinion. And my brother said, don't be one of those idiots that just posts on Facebook all the time about your political persuasion. I do post yeah. on Facebook all the time, but um, I didn't want to just be that. I didn't want it to just be about me talking to my mates, because mm. all my mates for the most part, agree with me anyway. Yeah. So not really talking to anybody else. Be your mates, otherwise, would they? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. But then, but then I realised that actually, if you're always talking to people that agree with you or know you or believe in the same things, you're not really getting anywhere, are you? Yeah. So the idea for the British Beauty Council was to create an organisation that was represented the industry, but was quite public facing. So that when I go for a dinner with somebody that's in publishing or a banker or something and they sort of snigger because they've got an MBE for services in the cosmetics industry or, or they question because they don't understand it, I can very clearly explain what it is that we do. Like my, my dad's a hairdresser and I remember him walking into my office saying, what is it that you do? Mm. Because I probably work in a sector of the industry that my dad as a hairdresser doesn't really understand. Yeah. So it's not even just people outside our industry. We're so fragmented as an industry that hairdressers don't really know what the makeup artists do or the makeup artists don't really know what the skincare developers do and mm. cosmetic scientists don't know what the fulfillment people do so if we all the idea was if we all came together that we'd have a bigger voice and then anna introduced me to jane boardman who had a similar idea who actually said actually if we all come together we'll have a bigger value mm. and so and she's an amazing strategist so Jane became our chairman so that we could start to sort of formally come together and took us about a year. We, we had like this inaugural meeting with about 20 people around the table. <laughs> I couldn't even, I, um, I am the CEO of the British Beauty Council, but that was quite daunting. <laughs> um, and, then, um, and then we were sort of went away to do a bit more work and then we decided to formally register as a not-for-profit we wanted to call ourselves a british beauty council but apparently to use the words british in council you have to be um approved by i want to say the ministry of silly walks but it's not (laughs) it's called the office of sensitive words and they don't do anything on email you literally have to call them so i had to physically well not just me you did it anna did it as well we all went out and we asked brands and the deputy mayor's office and space nk and Cult Beauty and various individuals, um, luminaries in the industry, isn't that right? Mm. To, to write us like letters of endorsement, if you have a certain percentage of endorsement, mm. they will allow you to use those words. Was it 70%? Yes, yeah, something is quite a, a huge lot. number yeah. and a I mean, whole so, load of work to even be able no to use the But then as these letters were We've been a little through, bit busy this past <laughs> year. Yeah. I mean, that took about seven months yeah. because you have to go to people, you have to sit in front of them, tell them what it is you're planning to do, Get, you know, with Boots, for example, get them to write, draft a letter. And there were some, basically, that the wording was something to the effect of um, there is a requirement for a preeminent industry body, is basically what that letter needed to say. So I had to 
engage with the right people, send them over what needed to be said, then chase them on the letter. It was quite a lot of work, actually. It's like getting a visa to go and work it's in the exactly like that. <laughs> and I've had the O one, and I know it's a difficult one to yeah. get. Yeah, it's um, it yeah, yeah, it's exactly like that. It was like we had to prove our worth. We had to prove before we'd even done anything mm. that what we were going to do. But it slightly it. sets you up with a. You have to. You've got to deliver something pretty big once you've got all of those major people on board. And I think in the process of getting all of those names and getting that 70 percent sort of endorsement, it showed us that there was a real strength of feeling for something like the British Beauty Council and somebody to one body to represent everybody's interests because there are individual kind of yeah. groups and bodies. The They're hairdressing quite industry focused. has got tons of different organisations from. Yeah. You know, National Hairdressers, Hairdressers Federation, the Hair and Barber Council, um, you know, the Fellowship. I mean, there's mm. a lot of organisations all doing fantastic work. Yeah. No, there's nobody talking to people outside of the industry, which is mm. what I think is really important. But equally, there's nobody talking to government either. What we learn well, relatively in, in, some in, in, sm in small ways, yeah. though, about specific things. So something like CTPA, which is Cosmetics, Toiletries and Perfumers Association that yeah, deals with a lot of compliance regulatory issues they have a very sort of direct conduit to government but there are other people whose voices needed representing that we realized weren't known by government which then led on to that meeting i mean before that we'd had that meeting at portcullis house and we sat with the under secretary of was it the culture it minister, the culture minister yeah. and he said i don't know who you are and nobody i've spoken to my friends in trade and industry nobody knows who you are go away and organize yourselves and that was another sort of kick to yeah. get something done yeah we went to that meeting with Awi from um, pz cousins and kathy phillips. kathy phillips and we just sat there and i was mortified when i walked out of there i thought they don't know who we are we're either considered a sort of small part of fashion or we Which are i think we are to a degree aren't we it's almost, yeah. we're seen as like a subsidiary of yes. the fashion yes. industry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And exactly. Yet, it, we're not some of the things that we've talked about, sort of cosmetic yeah. formulation, science, the fulfilment piece, all of the kind of behind the scenes stuff. We should sit alongside like fashion. fashion, definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that sort of, that leads on to the piece of work we'll do after the report. But we, you know, the fact is, is that at government level, trade and industry look after small businesses. We are over 50% small business owners. Yeah. And that, you know, we've got a massive amount of, business owners and freelancers in our industry then you've got education so obviously there's you know there's courses in education that are within the beauty sector then you've got um health mm. which given that boots is the biggest beauty retailer in the country and they're half pharmacy etc there's a massive um, a massive overlap in health um but we're not really hubbed anywhere yeah. which i think is very difficult when it comes to um the more creative areas of our industry so we, throughout this time, Jane was brilliant because Jane has really helped me, mostly because I'm not very clear sometimes. My brain races ahead of myself. <laughs> but um, really helped us to come up with a strategy and so um, to sort of um, formalise what we're trying to do. And yeah. one of the most important things for your listeners is that we're trying to get the beauty industry listed as the next creative industry. So I think it was Gordon Brown set up this sort of um, coalition of creative industries to, so that they could value them and hub them somewhere. And yeah. it's hubbed at the DCMS, which is Digital, Culture, Media and Sport. So that sort of area of government look after 
people in fashion, designers, photographers, Art. stylists, artists, etc. Yeah. We aren't included in that because we're no we don't know who we are. We kind of don't have an identity really. No. And no. so the idea is is that to try to move us into being acknowledged as a creative industry. I think that's that's a game changing. Well, especially when you think about how much money people spend in on and in the beauty industry. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of mad that it's not acknowledged, yeah. isn't it, really? Yeah. We had a big piece in Stella magazine at mm. the weekend, four-page piece, and yet still Nissan gets the headlines. Yeah. yeah. And we are on par with the car industry in this country in terms of our value, although mm. we haven't done the valuation yet. We won't have that till June. But um, I would imagine that our contribution to GDP and G- GVA is probably on par, and yet we are not acknowledged at all. Yeah. If, a, well, if an eyeshadow flurry plant closes down in Aberdeen, that's it, it's finished. Entire village is dis- dismissed, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but if, if the car plant closes mm. down in Milton Keynes, everybody run, you know, government run to rush to help it. Yeah. So, How much did Nissan get? Was it something like sixty million, something like yeah. that? And that was on a contract that hadn't even been awarded. Yeah. It was on a maybe. Oh, it was on a maybe. You know, it's I think it's quite. It, it's, well, yeah. did wasn't there some statistic at the last board meeting? There was some statistic that the motor industry has six permanent lobbyists in government. <laughs> we don't have anybody. No. There's what I think the fashion industry has one now yeah 10 years into or more mm. than the british fashion council being established but so where it's at now though is it officially set up yeah 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 it we is. officially yeah. we officially incorporated i think like july or october yeah see 20, 20, i don't remember 18. any dates <laughs> it was july it was last year july, july. and um and we've uh, appointed an executive board we're about to point three more people to that board we're the people that do everything we've uh, appointed an advisory board which is made up of uh, founding representatives from founding patrons. So we've got 10 founding patrons um, that have all come to support us financially and emotionally, yeah. I want to say, um, and also to help us to grow our pillars. So we've got three very clear pillars. One is reputation. So that's reputation of the beauty industry, raising the reputation of the beauty industry. So it means that people don't snigger at Minnie when she says, I've got an MBA. <laughs> But, you know, that's going to take a long time to change people's yeah. minds because, yeah. unfortunately, people think it's fluffy and silly and it's women and it's unnecessary. Jane, Jane it's says this, this um, has this sort of anecdote that somebody in her office, when when introducing it, always says, this is Jane, she looks after the fluffy stuff. Quite shameful, really. So, so yes, so we've got... It's very derogatory, yeah. isn't it? Yes, yeah. it is. Well, I mean, you but know, everybody... I, you, you get into the beauty industry if you're too thick to do anything else, essentially, is, is that's, sort of... That's, 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 the, that's the thought. The that's thought. It's, yeah. it's yeah. like bottom of the careers list if you're a school leaver. Yeah. There's no higher education courses. No, no scholarships to go and learn mm. how to be a nail tech. Well, um, I've got O-level maths, even though I'm a hairdresser. Yeah, well, <laughs> but you said it, even though... You, d- you know, you diminished, you diminished yeah, what you do. Yeah, we I do know. it to ourselves. I mean, you were doing a presentation and um, you said some something like, oh, but I've got a lot of makeup on. And you put yourself down and we do, we all do it. Mm. And you we can't, we've got to, we've got to change ourselves first. So I'm getting a bit yeah. sort of ranty yeah. and flag no, waving. No, no, no. Yeah, no, but yeah, to change true. everyone else's perception of us, we've got yeah. to be more positive and we've got to big ourselves well, up. I mean, I think there's a lot to be done. I mean, reputation is definitely, is, is partly with the, what, the, there's the, a few areas within reputation one is to define our define, industry we did that we've just done a big on piece that. of work with our insight and strategy agency on defining the industry then you've got to value the industry then we've got to figure out where we're hubbed with government because i think that's really important so i feel much more um i feel quite excited about 
saying we're a creative industry or part of that group because I think that's a really nice place to sit. Um, and then it might it be more of value, but it might be better in terms of perception to be hubbed with manufacturing, though. Because that's what people understand. But anyhow, so you've got just services. It's different. Yeah. yeah. The problem is you've got the services as yeah. well. Because the way we've defined the beauty industry, it's product services and then enabled activities, so that we can, when we value it, we can include everything on the drill down from a product like manufacturing, fulfillment, etc. But equally, you know, you you um, as a as a brand or as a hairdresser, who, what do you use? Yeah. You know, what are your tools? What do you, you consume? Might have, you might have a PR. You might have your kit. You might have, uh, you know, the the tools of your trade. Essentially, you know, your accountants, your, your assistants, your assistants, yeah, yeah. your agents, yeah. your agents, agent, yeah, yeah, your social media accounts, mm. yeah. Um, All these, of those yeah. things are attached in value to what you actually do. It's not yeah. just you and the money you earn. It's it's also how you. Mm. It's the package. Con- it's how you spend consume money. other yeah. things. Yeah. 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 So that's that's really important, and I think that again, I think those kind of things are game changing because I think they give people a different perception. Equally, in reputation, careers is very important. So to promote how you got to where you are in the hairdressing industry, I thought when I saw you at the coterie, that was unbelievable. What an unbelievable presentation you gave, and it was oh, just so nice to see your career develop mm. and seeing where you started and how you got to where you are. Yeah, those stories need to be blasted outside of the room yeah mm. people because we're all in the beauty industry and we're excited by it mm. i actually think people outside in school leavers in schools mm. not knowing what to do next in their career i yeah. think would find that quite exciting and well, I they think, need to understand know, the careers teachers the teachers and the parents need to understand that choosing to be a hairdresser doesn't mean standing on your feet all day which is no. what my mum always said to me i'd have loved to have been a hairdresser it didn't go down very well with my dad when I told him I wanted to be a hairdresser. But it's ridiculous. Because, you know, you could yeah. be Vidal Sassoon, you could be Neil Moody. You could I know, be in a funny Knight, way, I, be... although my dad put me into sort of jobs in hair salons, I don't think it would have gone down very well with my dad either. <laughs> 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 and he is a hairdresser. Yeah. But because he did used to say to me, you've got to stand on your feel all day. And I was like, oh, I actually don't like working but Saturdays. But they say recently, don't they? A lot yeah. of salons are really struggling to find yeah, so it's a young price. assistants yeah. to go and work. Yeah. And they're not oh. called, we used to call juniors back yeah. then, but assistants to work in the salon. Nobody wants to do it anymore, isn't no. it? And they're really struggling. Yeah. I know a friend of mine in Germany said they're having the same problem. And yeah. apparently it's worse there than it is here. Yeah, there's a massive um, recruitment crisis. I mean, I think there's been an increase recently. So I think... The National Hairdressers Federation have a lot of really interesting stats on that. Well, also, um, I think hairdressing is, um, you can get a government apprenticeship. So previously, it would be that you had to pay to train somebody, whereas now the government contributes. But if you consider that lots of hairdressing salons are small businesses, and maybe if you're good as a hairdresser, you might not be that good at doing the paperwork stuff. Mm. You have to go through the process of applying for I think, because I was on a youth training scheme when I worked to Tony and Guy back in the 80s. Me too, I did but the problem with with the the problem with the recruitment is, is that it's all very well going and being paid to be an assistant but the the fact of the matter is is that the hair salons haven't always got jobs for you at the end mm. of it yeah and so actually it's a bit of a high to nowhere until we can actually raise the our professionalism and our identity those salons are struggling because they might say to you i can only have you here two days a week yeah, yeah. it's not and, a job and so then enough. then what do you do yeah. and also there are there's a massive increase in freelancers, massive increase in people renting chairs mm. a couple of days a week. Mm. I was in a, an Uber the other day and the guy was telling me that his wife does that. She just rents a chair in a salon in Southgate 
two days a week and yeah. she comes, looks after the kids the rest of the time and what we need to do is turn that into a positive as opposed mm. to a negative and say look this is an amazingly adaptable flexible flexible well, that's been the job, success you know? of the sort of home services things like blow limited and treat well those businesses where they're selling sending people into your home yeah. so there isn't the overhead of the you know the kind of the trading space mm. which is interesting but they've turned that into a positive so it's convenient they can charge slightly less because they're not having to pay rent. Yeah. They're probably using your shampoo rather than the salon well, shampoo. Also, it's like my, my 21-year-old daughter lives in LA and it's nothing to do with the hair industry, but she said, I'm going to take a job at Postmates. Postmates is where you pick up food from a restaurant and you drop it at someone's house. She can do that when she's not at work. Mm. Yeah. You know, she's got a job during the day. She picks up a couple of shifts at Postmates. Yeah. You know, they, mm. they kind of... That's the sort of, you know, the Blow Limited Ruby app, those yeah. kind of things. Yeah. And actually, I quite like this. I don't like having my hair done at home, but I do actually like having a massage at home. Yeah. I don't I want do. to get in it. I don't want to get on the tube after having a massage. No. Although I did and... once book a massage with one of those apps and this Argentinian... <laughs> the mic's still on. <laughs> Argentinian guy shows up and he was quite cute. Mm. And I was thinking... I don't know whether I feel quite uncomfortable about this. <laughs> and like they didn't tell me a guy was going to show up. And I was home alone. And I was sort of a bit like, do I actually let him in? Mm. What like what could happen here? This is flashes of <laughs> what might happen. But I thought that was a bit odd because I think they should have said to me, "Listen, the guy's coming round." Yeah, well, they should have given been. you the choice. The choice, yeah, would have been better. Well, you know, you me, I would suggest, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, and the first continue. question I would be like, "Are they good looking?" <laughs> Portuguese, whatever it was, he was very good looking. But the massage was awful. Mm. He really didn't know how to massage. And oh. I quite like a strong massage. And I thought... Did you get tickled with a few Yeah, it was like a bit better. like, oh, God, that was a waste of money. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. And so the other... We've got three pillars. Reputation is the first. Education is the next. To support... Kind of, I, I say we bookend education. So school leavers and further education. Yeah. You cannot go and get a degree in beauty. You can't get that you can't learn to be a beauty buyer or a beauty merchandiser or no. a beauty visual merchandiser or a beauty designer or there just aren't jobs in beauty there are jobs in fashion that girls there go are, there are there are the jobs yeah. but there isn't the education sorry there are yeah. courses yeah. so there are no courses in, in the courses in fashion you can go and do fashion communications yeah there's not even a beauty module currently no. uh in fact there's one course i'm lying there is one course. so am i right in saying there's five of you in total who have set this up is um, that right so well there are in general there's probably more than are on the board but yeah. yeah there's um jane boardman who's our chairperson Catherine hancock who's our development director kate chapman content director Gemma bellman who's now the uh, director of europe for glossier she's our coo i'm the ceo and anna is on the advisory board she's not on the executive board right so she's on the advisory board with people like caroline rush <laughs> From the British Fashion Council is David on our advisory. Gandhi. David Gandhi is on our advisory board. I Kathy want to clear Phillips. something up though. This board is for everybody of every race and every colour. The idea is that the British Beauty Council represents everybody in the in the in the industry. We've had a website up for nearly a year now. Mm. Is it as long as a year? Yeah. Anybody can go on there and subscribe and receive newsletters. They can follow us on social media. They can learn about what we're doing and they can also contribute to what we're doing. The goal the goal of this was I was a 16 year old, sorry, I was about 14 or 15, not 16. I was a 15 year old girl probably sweeping the floors at Tony and Guy. Mm. And I, I want that girl sweeping the floor at Tony and Guy to know that there is an opportunity at some point in the next few months to download a report 
that actually gives a very clear indication of what the beauty industry is, what the value of it is, so that when she turns around to her dad and says, Dad, I really want to be a hairdresser, he doesn't look down his specs, you know, at her mm. and think, you know, what an idiot. Why, why isn't she like my other d- daughter that's gone to university? Yeah. And, and and then he drags her down to the local NatWest to borrow money to open a salon, mm. whatever it might be. Mm. We are not, like you said, we don't we represent don't ourselves, represent well, ourselves enough. well enough. No. We really need to learn to be prouder and louder. Yeah. You know, and actually talk about the fact that, you know, a women of any age men of any age can enter into and work within this industry but the main idea is that if we work together as a large body of people we're likely to be taken more seriously and we can start to promote the interests of our business at the moment we're too separate and we are diverse but we're too individual the minute we come together we have much better chance of changing the way things are Mm -hmm. things do need to move in a different direction it just just needs to be all pulled together i mean it just to me it just makes sense and it always did that if we were all together we'd be stronger Yeah. yeah Well, can I tell you, I applaud you both and Thank the you. other ladies who are involved who I know as well. Thank you. Thank ladies, you. men. <laughs> ladies, men. Ladies, men and others. others. And others. Um, no, I mean, I just applaud you for doing it because it's it's long overdue, I think. It's long overdue. It's been an awful lot of work. It's, yeah, sure. you know, It's been, especially for Millie and the members of the board, you know, it's serious time yeah. that has to be put but into you know Amelia loves problem. a new task <laughs> I, do. I did actually say I give myself a few years as CEO of this I mean there mm. will come a time when it will need somebody proper but you know someone's got to get it started which is the point it's like unfortunate it was me but you know you're yeah. kind of stuck with me for a few years guys but you get stuff you make you make stuff happen and yeah. that, you know that's 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 a skill in its own right and a lot of people don't you know the armchair critics can sort of sit back and kind of critique as much as they like if you mm. want something to change do it Go out or join the it. people who are doing it yeah. yeah i mean like i said membership is free all you've got to do is sign up on that website that might yeah. not stay that way forever i mean yeah. british, british fashion council you know if you look at the bfc membership how you enter into that organization is changing mm. yeah. and so you know it might change at some point but that will be after my tenure i suspect but yeah. yeah at the moment that's you know mm. like i said i want those girls that work at boots behind the benefit counter I always remember you saying that to, to be me. Represented. You want the people that are behind those counters represented. Really well, that's where the big numbers are. From, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, there yeah. are fewer managing directors. There are more people that are working at the lower levels. Mm. And it's in their interest to help you know, promote themselves. A lot of times you get people saying, but this is such an industry that's sort of dominated by women. Yeah, but the top jobs are still all men. Yeah. You know, they're still, you know, mostly, mostly the uh, board... And I, I find it very interesting that those top jobs, those very, very, very senior jobs, are generally uh, male-dominated. Yeah. The fact sure. that there are men on the board in this, those positions actually talks about how how well-regarded and how valuable those jobs are. These are men who are proud of the industry mm. because they probably come from a culture that values top, it so top much Estee, more. Top yeah. Man, Estee Lauder, yeah, exactly. Also. But America, is he a French there's more. Well? There's more. Um, yes, he is. And there's more, but there's more manufacturing that comes out of the US and that comes out of Europe, Mm. because those industries are taken, beauty industries taken seriously in those countries because there are there is manufacturing and there are jobs. It's just not taken seriously here, and Mm. I I think that's a cultural thing. I think it's very long-standing, but that's something that we need to shift. Yeah, and it's not going to happen overnight. No. There was um there was something very interesting when I think it was on LBC um that Kate was telling me about and um about um the, the blogger blogger James Charles 
who was Birmingham came Mobbed to a stand, standstill yeah. because this young, genderless, calls himself genderless, um, blogger, did a meet and greet in Birmingham. My 12-year-old daughter is obsessed with him. She spent 40 quid on a palette from Cult Beauty the other day <laughs> because she had to have this James Charles palette. And um, and anyway, he brought Birmingham to a standstill and it was almost wow, mocked. That takes a lot. It was almost, I'm from there, I know. <laughs> it, was, it was almost mocked on the radio that this kid, yeah. who is brilliant, I mean, you can't, you know, you can't knock it. There is yeah. a real thirst and a hunger for this industry with young people. Well, look I at mean, Charlotte it's Tilbury. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, when she opened in Selfridges, they were queuing outside. Oh, yeah. Milk yeah. makeup. Mental. The other day, um, Zana Rassi, who's who was a um, an editor at Marie Claire magazine, she does milk. She does milk. Mm. I took my daughter and some of her friends. Luckily, I got I got front of the line. <laughs> loads to stand in that queue but my god that thing went round the block it must have been mm. four or five hundred mm. kids standing outside in the freezing cold on a Saturday morning Yeah, and um, it was just a mob scene it was fantastic and I, I don't know I really I love that about our industry I think mm. it's I think it's great I, just, I spoke to Lisa Eldridge the other day mm. and she was telling me how you know her lipsticks that she launched before Christmas yeah. they were sold out within days yeah Days, yeah. wasn't it? Hours. Or hours, probably. I remember reading that literally she'd sold out stock within hours. Yeah. But the same happened with her rings when she yeah. did that. If you, ha- if you have somebody who believes in what you do and you are consistent and you're good at what you do, why wouldn't that happen? Yeah. You know, it's a sort of a direct, you can talk Ooh. direct to your audience through social media. Yeah. And then get... But it shows you, doesn't it, the power of beauty, actually, yeah. Yeah. as an industry. Yeah. When we did the definition for beauty, it was to... To, to sort of sense check what we include because obviously yeah. you can't include everything but I mean there was definitely a, a positive um, response to including things like well-being and wellness in beauty because I think that's part of mm. who we are and what we deliver when you say you work in the beauty industry people immediately think you just put makeup on in a department store mm. to me or you're a hairdresser do you know what can I tell you for years I don't not now I used to hate telling people I'm a hairdresser mm. because of the connotations that yeah came with it yeah you know generally you were probably a bit thick not great at school especially being a guy as well probably yeah. quite camp and you know what i mean all these yeah. things there was all these connotations that mm. went along with it and i used to hate overly people. concerned with how you look or how yeah. other people look or... i actually now i'm proud of what i do yeah. but yeah. it took me a long time to get to but you that. have to learn the script i mean i was mm. the same thing you know i would i would try to explain to people what beauty journalism was when i and i'd say well i work on a magazine oh is it lipstick then <laughs> and it's just kind of like narrowing down the most enormous scope yeah, to, to lipstick. But do you tell but people you're a journalist when they ask you? You probably do. I say I I'm do. a journalist. I say I'm a beauty journalist and a retailer, and I explain how those two things work. And they're confused because I have two different jobs. Mm. I think people can't get their head around you the fact not that riding an Uber. No, <laughs> well, in my spare time, <laughs> quite like the idea of the food and delivery, so you don't have to deal with people. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly I what that. said. <laughs> that's exactly what my daughter said. She goes, I just think Postmates is better for me because you know then I don't have to talk to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> that's the job for me. Okay, guys. Well, thank you. I'm going to ask you. This is just a little quick rapid fire questions there, just for a bit of fun at the end. What's your favourite food? Oh, sushi, really for me. I love I love raw fish. Um, a roast dinner, but I'm I'm chocolate. <laughs> Let's be honest. What's your guilty pleasure? Not chocolate. <laughs> it's cho- yeah, it's chocolate. Is it chocolate? It's the same there that I favourite food I don't feel guilty about. Yeah. Good dark chocolate. Call the midwife. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you do not. 
<laughs> Mine's EastEnders. Where's your favourite place to eat in London? Because obviously we're, we're in London. You're both. Oh, both home. Here. Home for me. Yeah. I've just discovered cooking, and Thank it's you. a bit late. But yeah. Favourite at the moment is probably I think it's called Weston's Laundry, and it's a bit of a strange uh, restaurant. It's the oh, the food's amazing, delicious. They Actually, make their own sourdough. They do, they do really good. I food. really like Food Room down the road. Have you eaten? No, they've got this chicken harissa sandwich. It's like the most amazing sandwich. I could eat that Actually, every day. My favourite place doesn't exist anymore. It's a cafe called New Piccadilly that used to be behind Piccadilly Circus, and they used to do the best fry ups. I used to go in every Friday when I worked at L. Oh, I'd walk in the tree? door, and they knew what my that order was. Your guilty pleasure yeah, yeah. back then. Ham, egg, and chips, <laughs> and, bana- and they made made banana and custard for me. They would get bananas in for every Friday. Brilliant. It's my favourite place. Who would you like to play you in a film of your life? Oh, God. Um, oh, Patricia Arquette. I, do you know what? I could see that <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I have no idea. We've got the same body. I don't know. <laughs> we do. We do. And actually, we have a set. We, we, we have a friend in common. But yeah. Anna, I, don't I could know. see maybe like an Olivia Coleman or someone. Yeah. Yeah, 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 maybe. Yeah, yeah. What do you think is your best feature? And it doesn't have to be um, physical. Apparently, I laugh when I talk in the middle of talking. I laugh. That's what Rune said. Yeah, I don't do. know. Like, sometimes I'll say something. I laugh at my own jokes. <laughs> That's You're very jolly, like, Millie. I yeah. was, like, I'm I'm kind, jolly yeah, I'm quite a sort of... Well, it's either sheer stupidity <laughs> or I'm quite optimistic, I think. Mm. And I've got a lot of energy. Yeah. I think that's probably... I don't know what mine is. Maybe, I don't know, ability to stay calm under Ooh, pressure. very calm. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's any point in reacting to things until you know what you're dealing with yeah i'm a very push forward kind of person she's a very pull back <laughs> well, we never get anywhere that's <laughs> <laughs> a push me pull you it is a bit it is a bit i'm like rushing through the door like a bull in a china <laughs> show and she's like sort of got me by the tail yeah. and i'm all and i'm running on because i want to check that everything's all right on yeah. the shelves you want to scan the room yeah i want to yeah. yeah i'm very i'm hesitant about things yeah. I, don't, I don't make what makes you annoyed God, so much. Other people's stupidity, <laughs> other people not thinking things through. Donald Trump, actually. Yeah. Just the fact that That's somebody that stupid is a right now. Brexit's, yeah. The, the, yeah, the yeah. fact the fact that they've not they've not played the game well. I think there should have been a complete media ban at the beginning. The government should have said, You wanted this, we're gonna get on with it, we're gonna deal with it. It shouldn't have been exposed over the media all the time. Yeah. And also I think they should be playing a clever poker game now, and I don't think they are. Yeah. I, I think the, the one thing that annoys me is people making an assumption. Like today in the post office, he assumed I was stupid. <laughs> you know, or, I don't like stupid. not reading, <laughs> you know, a, a, the, the content on, yeah, on, on, in, social, in, media. on social media. Or I think just uh, people making assumptions about yeah. people mm. and things and me and yeah. you. And, you know. I tell you, do you know that happens on dating apps as well? People yes. in the picture. You might fill out your profile. Mm. For anyone that's listening, I'm single. <laughs> <laughs> and the amount of people that send you a message going, so what kind of things do you like? And you're like, I've, I've, did you not read? Did you not read the profile? I've spent what? Here's something. I met out. my boyfriend on a dating app and I didn't put anything in my profile because I figured they don't bloody read it anyway. Yeah, you're right. And I also sometimes think that you skew it a certain mm-hmm. way or it comes across a certain way. Yeah. So I put nothing in it. I yeah, think that's a really good yeah. one. And, and, and ironically, I didn't, and he's equally, the most successful relationship. Equally, I didn't read anything that he put. I did not mm-hmm. read a thing. I just, I said, 
from the first minute we got in touch, I was like, okay, let's just go and have a coffee or mm. lunch or whatever. But we were supposed to go out that night, and I said to him, I'd meet you during the day first, because I'm not, I don't want to go out and waste an evening if mm. we don't like each other, mm. which I think was quite... Do I need to go and delete all my details? Yeah, delete, I actually, delete, delete, delete I think delete everything, because yeah. you're different around different people anyway. Yeah, that's true. I think we all are a little mm. bit, and also get to some... You know, when, if you were going to go sit in a bar, which is what we used to do, or a pub, or a club, or wherever, and you sit next to talk to, you meet somebody, mm. you like the way they look first, yeah, yeah, and then you start talking to them and get to know them. Yeah, they don't have all that information on the t-shirt, do they? I like music. I like live gigs. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's not normal, is it? No, so, it's not. So well, you actually just, go up and talk to them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's the way to handle online dating. Just saying, because I am a success story. Well, now. there's a good tip, yeah. Millie. Thanks. Yes. I'm going on to delete yeah. everything. Yeah. Delete um, meat, veggie, or vegan? I know yours is meat because you just said chicken has chorizo. Oh yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm like a ch- I could have chicken with every meal. <laughs> I do actually sometimes have for breakfast because I st- I still don't understand why we have in this country why pork is acceptable for breakfast, but nobody actually uses chicken. Mm. Much nicer, I think. Chicken sausages you can get now, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Chicken sausage, but I actually just like a nice chicken breast. For, and, mm. I know. do. Yeah. I like meat, but I like vegetables as well. I'm mm. not a vegan. No. I like, I like meat and fish too much. Okay. When was the last time you cried? <laughs> right, Two days I, ago. Yeah. <laughs> I basically cried um, all of Saturday and then all of Sunday. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, my daughter and I, my daughter was visiting, she was leaving. We had an argument the night before she was leaving. Then I watched A Star Is Born. And then after she left, because I cried all the way to the airport and back, I then watched Lady Bird, which is basically about oh, a mother yeah. and daughter and they argue the whole time. And I just cried through that as well. Mm. So I, but I'm, today I might watched, be the only day I'm not crying. I but... watched, was it Three Billboards? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was crying really at that on Saturday. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. such a wuss these days. Yeah, no, Don't I, cry at films so much. I, I sort of tend to have these sort of blocks where I'll cry for a couple of days mm. and get it all out. You know? Yeah. I think it's good to have a good old blurt, isn't it? I really enjoy I it. I really like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like what gets. I don't like what gets me though. If it's a real thing, I don't mind so much if it's a film or a book or something. But I can't remember what I was crying about. Frustration, yeah. anger, <laughs> generally. Life. Yeah. Have you ever done anything illegal? Oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> You don't have to divulge, by the way. I don't know if I ought to. No. no. <laughs> I have. We, I'd say name me a person that hasn't. Yeah. And last one, which goes slightly back to beauty, natural versus chemical. Both. Mm. Yeah. Not I'm There's not one thing that does better than the other. I think being all one way or all the other way is extreme, unrealistic, limiting, and I think you miss the opportunity. I use more. Both. I use more natural um, in certain areas. So I would use maybe an oil instead of like a moisturizer these days as my sort of underneath my makeup. I use more natural products on my eyes, but I still quite like a sort of synthetic lip product. I mean, um, because I think they last longer on my lips, and I, I just like the way they feel. I don't know. I I think it's a big mix of both. Yeah. I think if you. I I, lo- I like performance as well as the feel and the smell of a product. Mm. I want it to perform well. And in some areas, like mascara, for example, although the, the mascara I'm wearing today has cannabis oil as the base, which mm. is a vegan... 
Because if you use bees wax, um, it's um, not it's vegan. Not vegan. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So cannabis oil is probably the new sort of trend in. But also, oil. it's treatment. It's protective. It will keep water out. It's occlusive. Mm. I do. I think. I think the fear of chemicals comes from a lack of knowledge. And I think there's a lot of people who oh, I'm scared of parabens. I'm scared of this. I'm scared of that. And I think it's something that's been perpetuated within the industry as a reaction against people's people's fear that we, they yeah. learn online. We create these marketing buzzwords. And I yeah. did. I had. A, I did a quote recently for a magazine. But maybe it didn't make much sense to the magazine because they kind of slightly edited it. But basically, I said, I get all the clean beauty, honest beauty. But the fact of the matter is, honest beauty just means to me that we were dishonest at some point yeah. in the past. And Ooh. so I think what happens is we create our own buzzwords. And actually, I don't think we do a very good job of it. Ooh. Honest beauty means that everybody else is dishonest that's not the that's not such a great well it's yeah. an un, it's an unfair standard as well because if people i mean think take parabens for example um they're perfectly allowed acceptable compliant long-term safety data over 40 years worth of safety data and yet the consumer doesn't want them because there was one piece of a very flawed study that was misrepresented online that has has just done the rounds and people when they research, because it's the most recent information that comes up, nobody ever gets to the bottom of it and thinks, actually, that was a flawed study, and that's actually not true. Yeah. What you have instead is the cosmetics companies needing to come up with um, stable formulations that won't get contaminated once you've stuck your finger in or expose them to light or air in a damp bathroom, um, and that will last longer than a few months or six months because people expect products to last, but they don't want parabens, which are preservatives. And then you have people trying, you have cosmetic scientists trying to find an alternative, which is not That's as well known. Under a not lot of pressure. A, but it's not, it's not as, it doesn't have the safety data. It's new stuff that might have more potential long-term damage than the parabens which we've been using it's for really 40 funny, plus years most of my friends but that's based on ignorance yeah but most so of my friends it's a lot of scaremongering as well like yes you know, one yeah. piece comes out that's what makes me angry yeah. my, my <laughs> friends that don't work angry. in the industry yeah. will say oh, yeah but I, I i really like a shampoo that has no parabens and no sulfates i really like my shampoo actually to no, they don't know, they but they, know. they know what some what they've learned online yeah. from somebody who probably hasn't dug into it mm. in Someone was depth. asking me about silicone the other day and I was like, silicone isn't terrible for you. It's just not it doesn't do anything. Mm. You know what I mean? I was trying to explain. Yeah. It was like, yeah, but you know, I thought it was not meant to be in any products. So I was like, no, that's not the case because no. in some products you need it. You know, like products to smooth hair out. You yes. need silicone in to make that happen. It's just that it's not, it, it doesn't damage your hair, but it doesn't do you any good either. Yeah. Well, that's it. We're done. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Interesting. Yeah, I could sit in yeah, chat for yeah, hours. Yeah, we could be here for the rest of the day. <laughs> We're going to put the telly on and watch EastEnder. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks anyway. Thank you so Thank much for asking Thank you for listening to In Bed with Neil Moody. If you want to get in bed with me again and another of my guests, then you can subscribe to my podcast on all the regular platforms to ensure that you don't miss an episode. There are other episodes already available to listen to if you want to hear more straight away. Thanks for listening.